Hey, uh, anybody need a Bible? We'll put one in your hand. Raise your hand. We'll uh, put a Bible in your hand right now if you need one. Don't be ashamed to raise your hand uh, at all. We'll, we're going to use them today. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, uh, which is where we'll be today. Anyone else need one? Okay, cool. Acts chapter 2, uh, we're going to pick up in uh, verse 42. Uh, actually, we'll back up a, a couple of verses to verse 40 and kind of get another running start into where we were from last week and into our text from this week. Uh, Larry Lewis checked on me uh, this last Sunday. He asked me if I was okay. Uh, he said I seemed a little bit angry over the last couple of, of Sundays. I'm like, bro, the text just made me excited. Uh, so uh, this is a much less intense text today. And so I hope not to be quite as intense or angry as I might have perceived to be uh, to some of you this week. But I always love the fact that Larry loves me and checks on me and just to make sure that I'm okay. We're going to pick up in uh, verse 40. And then we'll uh, read through the end of the chapter. Verse 40 says, uh, as we come off uh, 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 the last week's text, and with many other uh, words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. See, that's kind of an angry thing to say. Save yourself from this crooked generation. Uh, save yourself from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Then we get into today's text uh, and, and pick up in verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who, were, all who believed were together, had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need, and day by day attending temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let me pray for us again, and we'll jump into today's text. God, we love you again. We just declare that. We don't ever get tired of telling you that we love you because you first loved us. And so today, as we open this text, to uh, uh, just to see the Holy Spirit and what it does to believers as it changes us uh, as followers of Jesus, uh, help us as a people today uh, to be that same type of people as the early church. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Help us to be in that same mold today. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I'll just encourage you. Uh, in your Bibles, if you're a writer in your Bible, if you're a highlighter in your Bible, start in verse 42 and just circle the word and. Uh, you'll see in 42, 42 at the beginning of that, and in 43, there's a word and. 44, there's a word and. 45, there's a word and. 46, there's a word and. Uh, and actually 47, about halfway down, it says, and the Lord added to their number day by day. Circle those because as I was reading and studying, it just made me think about uh, it made, made me think about writing this, you know, and, and it seems like he just got excited over and over again. Luke was, you know, penning this and he was like, oh, and this happened and oh, and this happened and this happened and this happened. He seemed like he was getting more and more excited as he was writing down what he was seeing and remembering uh, that the Holy Spirit was actually doing. And so, um, uh, let me, we're going to back up to just a little bit to verse 20 and, and we'll pick up from last week and roll into this week. So it's what it says. And, oh, there you go, verse 40, circle that one too. And with many other words, he, who is, who is he? Who is it? 
Peter, yes. Peter bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation, 41. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. And so I would encourage you to underline received his word in verse 41. Those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. So before we skip over this piece and jump into today's real meat of our text today, I just want to, to, to point out a couple things uh, in this verse specifically. Uh, he says, those who received the word were what? Baptized. All right, if you're new here, some of y'all been here a long time. Y'all know when I ask you a question, uh, what do I expect? You, an answer, yes, an answer. This is talk back time, you know. Uh, so if I, I want you to be interactive with me today. I'll start over. Those who received the word were what? Yeah, whoo, ho, hey, easy, easy. Those who received the word uh, were baptized. So um, they not only received the word, but they believed the message. They not only heard it, but they actually believed it. And they were baptized. And so many of us, whenever we hear sermons today, we hear that. But the question is, do you believe what you're hearing? Do you believe what the Word says? Do you believe the Word that's getting preached and declared? Do you believe the words from Scripture? Because they believe, the Scripture says, they receive the Word, they believe the Word, and they were baptized. Let's talk about baptism really quick. Uh, and a main uh, question that I want to ask you, we may take a poll. Uh, does baptism save you? Okay. Does baptism save you? Does water baptism save you? What about when the text says, somewhere in the scriptures, it says, those who believed and were baptized were saved? Yeah, those who believe were saved. Water doesn't save us. Water baptism doesn't save us. What is, what is baptism? What is it? Yeah, it's a public acknowledgement. It's a symbol. It's an external symbol of what an internal reality has happened to us. It is saying we are dying to our old self. We are, we are dying and we are raised to walk in newness of life, that we've, we've become a new creation. And so baptism is a symbol. Yes, we are commanded to be baptized. If you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, the scriptures command us. Jesus commanded people to be baptized. He told his apostles to baptize people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so we would encourage you uh, uh, as, as someone who acknowledges Jesus as your Lord and Savior for you to be baptized. Clint Black, uh, it was one of my old favorite guys I used to listen to. You might have Clint Black fans in here. It's going to be old people like me. Uh, yeah, come on, old people. Where y'all at, old people? Old people, yeah. Uh, Clint Black is one of my favorite country music singers, and uh, he, would, he used to sing a song, There's a New Way to Fly. Know that one? That's a good one. Uh, but, there, but, um, but when we're baptized, when we become Christians, there's a new way to live. There's a new way to live. We're called to, to live differently. We talk about that regularly here at Refuge 2. We, we're called to live in the Spirit and through the Spirit. And that's part of what Acts is, is the Holy Spirit coming onto the scene. Jesus says, better that I go away, I'm going to send the Spirit, uh, because the Spirit indwells all of us as believers. He empowers us to believe. He empowers us to uh, live the life that Jesus calls us to live to. He, he is the promised one that Jesus said that I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? 
Holy Spirit points us to Jesus. He points us to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus is the Savior of the world. Jesus is your Redeemer. Jesus is your hope. Jesus is the one who rescues you from sin and death. He calls us, uh, the Spirit calls us and points us to Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. And so the Scripture says those who received the Word were what? Yeah, they were baptized. So you think to yourself, have you been baptized? What would our friend Nacho Libre say? Why have you not been baptized? Why have you not been baptized? If not, why, really, the question is, why not? If you're a follower of Jesus and you haven't been baptized, why have you not been baptized? Why have you not been baptized? I want you to think about that. That is a command from the Scripture. I would just encourage you to just consider that, to read what the Scripture has to say. If you have questions about that, see one of our elders. See, see one of our leaders and say, hey, why is it that I need to be baptized? If you have questions about that, we'll talk about that. Or, hey, I want to schedule my baptism. Man, you know, we love to baptize people around here. And so we would encourage you to certainly uh, be baptized. The last piece of this, uh, as we roll into our text today, how many people were baptized that day? Yeah, that, that more people were baptized on this day than the entirety of Jesus' recorded ministry. I'm sure that there may have been some instances that didn't, didn't get recorded or didn't get written down, but more people were baptized on that day than anything we have recorded in Jesus' ministries. But this shouldn't surprise us. You're like, wait, why, preacher? Why, why, would, it, why would that not surprise us that more people were baptized on this day than, than in part of Jesus' ministry? John chapter 14, verse 12, uh, Jesus says this, greater works than these will he do. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, greater works than these will the Holy Spirit do because I am going to the Father and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He said, he's going to do even greater things uh, than I did. And so the Holy Spirit, he is the active part of the Godhead today. He is at work in and amongst us. He is the one who awakens us to the beauty of the gospel. He is the one, if you're a Christian today, the Holy Spirit is the one who has awakened you to the gospel, given you faith to believe, and he is the one who secures you in your salvation. And so the Holy Spirit is at work today. Let's keep going today. Verse 42, and I hope you circle that. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And, and so uh, Luke paints us this picture of this ideal Christian community. He, he, th that's what he's doing here in, in this part of, of Acts. Uh, uh, they were rejoicing in the forgiveness of sins. They were rejoicing around the gifts of the Holy Spirit that had come. Uh, and there were four things, I think, that the early church uh, thought were imperative in their lives, in their spiritual lives, and following Jesus. Four things. The first one is this, the apostles' teaching. They thought that was vitally important to their life in following Jesus. For them to become new believers and them to, to follow Jesus now, become part of this new community, uh, they devoted themselves to their teaching. Why did they vote, devote themselves to the apostles' teaching? One, it was authoritative. This teaching was authoritative. It, it was the teaching that Jesus himself had passed along to his followers, to his apostles, the people that were with him on a regular basis over and over again. These men who were firsthand uh, witnesses to what it was that Jesus had done, all the good, all the miracles, all the difficulties, his death, his burial, his resurrection, he had been with them. And so 
firsthand they had received from Jesus uh, uh, declaring this message uh, to them. And they, in turn, were declaring this same message to the people around them. And they were doing it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Today, there are no apostles. None. Nada. Zilch. Zero. None. No apostles. Now, I could take on, I could name myself, I'm considering calling myself Apostle Benjamin. I would actually prefer you to start referring to me that way. And you know what you should tell me? No, 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 no way, Jose. Yeah, no, we're not going to refer to anybody as an Apostle Benjamin or Apostle anybody because there are no apostles today. There are no apostles today because apostles were eyewitnesses, firsthand witnesses to the, the resurrected Jesus and him and the things that he taught. This is his close band of people that were with him. Those were the apostles and there are no more apostles today. But we do declare the same message as the apostles were declaring in their day. As we stand in this pulpit, we're declaring that same message that the apostles had. As you share the gospel with people in your sphere of influences, the people you come across, you're declaring that same message as the apostles did in their day. And so it, that's the cool thing about what it means to follow Jesus today is we get to follow in that same vein. Though we're not apostles, we declare the same message, the same gospel message that Jesus came and he lived the life that God calls us to live, sinless, tempted in every way, yet he did it without sin. And that he literally laid his life down on a cross, shed his blood to cover our sin debt. And because God was, satisfied, was, was pleased, the scripture says God was pleased to crush him on behalf of those who would become his. He was pleased to crush him and yet he was satisfied with his sacrifice that he offered. And so God raised him from the dead. And that's the message that the apostles preach. That's the message that we preach from the pulpit. And that's the message that you're called to take not only from here, but in every day and every sphere of your life is to declare the good news of the gospel and that Jesus rescues sinners, that there's hope found in none other but Jesus Christ. And so though there are no apostles, that's what we do. We have the apostles' teaching. It's written down and recorded for us in the New Testament scriptures. And, and, and your elders believe, we, we are in agreement with this, uh, that the, the way to follow the apostles' teaching best and most closely is to do it by expository preaching, verse by verse preaching through the scriptures. You may be new to refuge, and if you're new to refuge, this is probably 90% of the diet of, of preaching and teaching that you'll get from here is verse by verse teaching through the text. It's imperative that that happens so that you don't, people don't get to skip things. We don't skip over the hard stuff. We don't skip through the difficult texts. We don't, get, we don't skip those texts that make us a little bit uncomfortable or squeamish because we believe this is the apostles' teaching. This is what has been preserved for us as the Scripture. And so regular, ongoing teaching and preaching of the Word, uh, we believe, is the best way to teach the Scriptures to our family here at Refuge. Secondly, not only uh, the apostles' teaching, but also the fellowship. And so this is played out in practical ways that Peter talks about here in this text. And so he talks about it in a couple of ways. He says that that happens by the breaking of bread and of prayer. By the breaking of bread and of prayer. So the breaking of bread, well, there's a couple of things that we need to consider. Yes, sharing a meal together is important 
uh, when we break bread. Honestly, that's the thing we think most of. Um, and, and so in that, what I think the text is teaching us, that as a newly formed um, group of believers, as a newly formed people of God, it was imperative that they spend time together. It was imperative that they spend time around one another. Think about whenever you, think about the time when you just became a Christian. Some of you have just become followers of Jesus. We've been baptizing people around here. And so there's some of you who are brand new in your faith. It is imperative that you spend time with other Christians, other followers of Jesus to be encouraged. People who've been Christians, I've been Christian for now, I don't know, 25 years. It's imperative that I spend some time around other Christians to be encouraged. However long you've been a Christian, it is imperative that you spend time with other Christians, time around encouraging one another, hearing one another's stories. Think about what it might have been for the early church. Man, I was with Jesus when he did this. I saw him, I saw him do this miracle. Can you believe that? And that bolstered their faith. We should do the same thing with one another. Man, I can't believe that Jesus has done this. The Holy Spirit around me has done this in my life, in my kid's life, in my neighbor, in our church, and we encourage one another in that way. The Scripture tells us that they shared the needs, uh, the, uh, the sharing of needs uh, that one or more may have had. That happens, I'll, I'll be honest with you, that happens in refuge a lot. We elders probably get to hear it as much as anybody where people come and go, hey, pastor, I've got a need. I've got a financial need. I've got a prayer need. I've, I've got a, a physical need that I need some prayer around or I need something that, some help in meeting this need. And what a joy it is to get to encourage one another that way, to pray for our brothers and sisters as they are in the deep throes of whatever that need is or to meet a need tangibly and that we share with one another. We Americans don't like to say that. We good Southerners like to just don't go, you know, it's fine, sugar. I'm, I'm doing all right. And so we don't, like to, we don't like to tell others that we've got a need. We're too prideful. But that's, the very, that's contrary to what the Scripture teaches us, contrary to what the early church did. And so it's imperative for you, if you have a need, to let people around you know. It's imperative for me, if I have a need, to let you know what that is so that we can meet those needs for one another. They prayed for one another. I'll just, I'll just be honest with you. If you ask me to pray for you, ask me to pray for you on the spot. Just ask me right then. That's usually what I'm going to do. You know why? Because this old brain, sometimes I forget, and I don't like to forget to pray for you, and so I'm probably going to pray for you right on the spot. Just because, one, you've asked me, it must be important to you, and I'm going to pray for you on the spot. I would encourage you to do the same thing. You want to talk about encouraging one another? Somebody says, hey, will you pray for me? They're expecting you to go, yeah, brother, I'll pray for you, and walk away. But pray for them on the spot. Pray for one another on the spot. Encourage one another. We, I can believe the early church was doing those same things. Celebrate the good things that are happening in one another's lives. Uh, that, that we, I, I can imagine that the early church was doing that very thing to go, man, I've just become a follower of Jesus. Man, this is the Messiah we've been waiting for. Let's, let's celebrate that together. Can you believe he's finally come? After all these years, we've heard about him and he's finally come. And we're actually, we got to see this whole, the, uh, the risen Messiah, risen from the dead. Well, how, much, how encouraging would that have been during the time to see that? How much more so can we do that as well today? Hey, man, tell me what the difference that Jesus makes in your life. Tell me what it means to be a follower of Jesus and the fact that Jesus is alive and how that makes a difference in our lives, encouraging one another. Hey, a lot of these things happen in gospel community groups. If you're not part of a gospel community group now at Refuge, you're missing out on that in our, in our church life. 
We encourage you to do that. First steps, come to Discover. We'll get you involved in a gospel community group. You'll be part of mine and Carol's gospel community group. And we begin to do those things with one another. Scripture goes on and says, the breaking of bread and prayers, they share the Lord's Supper. Uh, Jesus said, as often as you do this, you do this in remembrance of me because we declare his death until he comes. It's a public confession of saying, I believe that Jesus shed, uh, shed his blood. He gave his body on a cross to, uh, to pay for my sin debt. And that's what we do every week at Refuge as you come to the table. You're declaring the Lord's death until he comes again. That it took his blood shed, his body being given for you. You're, you're declaring that publicly whenever you come to the table. The early church did those things. That's why we continue to do those things as we meet together, as part of the ordinances of the church. It says that his death was real, his death was effective, and we're not ashamed to be part of that kind of family. They also prayed together. Again, uh, again, we just talked about that a little bit. Was, but prayer was an essential part of the early church. And, uh, and if that's true, and it is, how much more should that be for us today? To like really pray. Really go uh, to barrage the throne room of grace to find help in our time of need. I'll just ask you right now to examine your own prayer life. Think about your own prayer life right now. What does it look like? Are your prayers just rote prayers where you say the same thing over again, over and over again? You start your prayers the same way over and over again. You say the same blessing at the table every time you sit down to receive food. Has it become just rote and the same thing over and over again? Your prayers that you say at night are the same thing over and over again. You might be praying for something for a long time because the Lord has put it on your heart. Or are you just saying the same thing, same words over and over again out of rote repetition? Our, um, our elders and, some, and our church administrator are taking some counseling classes right now. One of the recurring things uh, or themes that our professor says uh, whenever he gets into a situation and he is encouraging us in counseling people is to just pray this prayer to God. Hey, help me. Help me. I, I don't know what to do here, God. I don't know how to respond to this person in their counseling need. I don't know how to respond to this tragedy that this person is working through. Help me. What a great prayer for us to show our dependence on God. So the early church thought it was important, so they broke bread and they prayed together. Let's keep going. Verse 43, and circle, and all, all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And, and so... Peter had really just kind of wrapped up his sermon, and, and he was saying, and, and the text tells us that awe came upon every soul, and so God was at work in the middle of them. He, they were like, oh my goodness, can you see the things that, that, that God is doing, that, that Jesus had promised us that, that the Holy Spirit would come? Just to look, at, look around us at what's happening. They were witnessing the dawn of a, a new age, a, a new, the Holy Spirit coming, and, and that actually breaking into our world. But it was not only the preaching of the good news that did this, but that the, the text tells us that there were wonders and signs that were being done by the apostles. Peter had quoted the words of Job at the beginning of his address to the people that day. Uh, he, he, told, he told them this, that the great and notable day would be heralded by wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. But I'll say this, 
those wonders that they were participating in, those signs that they were uh, a part of, were not meant to draw attention to the men themselves. The things that they were doing weren't meant to draw attention to, to Peter or to John or to any of the other apostles. That's not what it was about. On the contrary, everything that they did was to point to the risen Savior. Everything. This is not about us. It's not about you. Everything is about the risen Savior, Jesus. And the early church did those kinds of things. Whenever they said, awe came upon every soul, many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. The apostles didn't want to make it about them. They wanted to say, Jesus is our hope. Jesus is the one that causes this. Jesus is the one who makes this happen. All of this was to, was to demonstrate and declare that the advent, the first coming of the Messiah, to say, hey, he has actually come. He has actually come, and we saw him, and we were with him, and we saw the things that he had done. We were part of the things he had done. And then to declare the advent, or the coming of the kingdom, the kingdom breaking into the world, the kingdom beginning to spread across the world. And the kingdom is still expanding today. I would just encourage you to circle the word awe. In verse 43, to circle the word awe. Because they were amazed by this, that the kingdom was coming, the kingdom was spreading, and they were actually seeing it with their own eyes. I'll ask you this question. Are you in awe of the gift of grace? I mean, are you, are you in awe of the gift of grace, the fact that God himself, the creator of the universe, Jesus who holds all things together by the power of his, the word, his own word, holds it together. He tells the planets where to stay, to stay in their orbit. He tells the oceans how far they can go. Are you in awe by the fact that, that God, the God-man gave his life for you, laid his life down for you, and he is the one who has called you, he is the one who has saved you, he is the one who shed his blood for you, calling you to himself? Are you in awe of those things? Are you in awe of the reality of your own salvation? I would dare say that we're not. I would dare say that we're not. Not really in awe of our own salvation. And I believe because of that, the church has very little power in it. We see very little power that happens in and amongst the church today. Because we've lost our sense of awe over the fact that the God himself has called us, called you to himself. Insignificant me. He called me to himself. Made me his own. And I would dare say that not many of us live in awe of that very thing. God, help us to be in awe of the fact that Jesus has rescued us from our sin. Let's keep going, verse 44. All who believe, and all who believe were together and had all things in common. And so because the kingdom was bursting on the scene and people were being transformed by the Holy Spirit, um, it wasn't just the fact that they were together. It wasn't just the fact that they were sharing a meal together. Peter tells us that there was this deep sense of unity that was happening among the people. Spirit caused them to give up their own 
thoughts of, of private property, and, and they held all things in common. Essentially, they were saying, hey, what's mine is yours. They're like, man, we've become part of this new kingdom. We've become part of this new fellowship of believers. And now, hey, man, if I've got this plant and you need it, take it. Hey, I've got this Bible and you need it, take it. Man, I cooked some extra chicken today. Take some. You need to borrow my donkey? Giddy up, you know. Come get on the donkey. You need it? It's your, what's mine is yours. That's where the early church lived. You need to use anything? It's yours. What, what a countercultural way to live. It demonstrates that, that Jesus actually does make a difference. It says that we, we are a different kind of people. Th those who believed had all things in common. H how do you feel about that today? I mean, sharing your things. Giving your things to other people. Being generous with your lawn equipment. Hey, you may say, hey, preacher, I, I, I'm good with that. Or maybe some of you go, not my lawnmower. I know what, I know what happens when that happens. Comes back broken and nobody fixes it. You know who fixed it? This guy. I ain't loaning my stuff out to nobody no more. Let's write that into Acts chapter 2. not what I read in the text. It says a lot about the condition of our heart. Whenever we look to a brother and go, nope, not giving it to you. Nope, not lending it to you. Nope, I've got one, go buy your own. It says a lot about the condition of our heart. And all things in common. Not only that, look at verse 45. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing those proceeds to all as any had need. And so uh, this hot flame of the Holy Spirit that had come down and was now indwelling these believers uh, caused them to do some really extraordinary things. Some things that we go, this is not ordinary. This is extraordinary. This is extraordinary. This is out of the norm. It's what you don't normally see, but we're now seeing this happen because the Holy Spirit has come and indwelled these believers, selling their possessions, sharing out of the excess of their profits according as anyone has need, see a need, meet a need. You need something, I'll help you. You have something that you need on the moment, I've got it, why would I not give it to you? Honestly, that's how we want to encourage you to live at Refuge. We want you to live in this same type of pattern. You may not have to sell what you have, or maybe you should sell some of the stuff you've got. You've got three you know, lawnmowers that you have stuck in your garage somewhere. Give them to somebody that needs one. Let them borrow it, whatever the Spirit tells you. But if you see a need, then meet a need. Don't wait for somebody else to do it. That's not what we see the early church doing. If you have something to give to help someone else, especially in your church family, especially to those who are of the household of faith, why would we not do those things? Why would we not do those things? 
Things like that happen when the Holy Spirit is a tangible presence in your life. When this is a real thing, when we are transformed into a different kind of people, and we take to heart what we say at Refuge, to live differently. Say that with me. Live differently. Say it like you mean it. Live differently. That's what we're called to as followers of Jesus, to live like nobody else lives. Because we've been transformed like nobody else has. This is what these new believers were doing. The truth is, though, we know this kind of thing fades and it wanes as our faith fades and wanes. Sometimes Jesus just becomes our get-out-of-hell-free card. We call it golden ticket theology here at Refuge, where one day I'm going to show up to heaven when I die, and I'm going to pull out my golden ticket on God and go, hey, remember that thing I did? Here's my golden ticket. Once saved, always saved. Here's my golden ticket. I didn't do any of these things Pastor Scott was talking about. I knew anything I read in Acts. I didn't really follow any of this stuff that you wrote down and preserved for us in the scriptures. Here's my golden ticket. Sometimes our faith just becomes that. But we're called to something different. We're called to love people and care for people, just like we read here in the text, that we're called to love people and live a different kind of life. To be part of this kingdom of God that is expanding into our world, that continues to expand even here in 2023. A real and tangible life change that happens. Happens to them as we read it in Acts chapter 2. Happens to us as we're transformed by the gospel. We become generous. We become giving. It becomes a glad part of our life. That we're glad to do these things. Because it reflects the Savior. Luke records what that looks like whenever this kind of transformational living actually happens. Look in verse 46 and 47. Verse 46, and there it is again. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And so it says, hey, regularly they attended temple together. So regularly, they went to church together. That ought to be indicative of us at Refuge Church. We say it all the time. If you're not providentially hindered, then you should come to gathering. Where's my camera right now? Where is it? Put it straight on me. If you're watching online and you're skipping coming, you should come. Yeah, there you go. Zoom in. (laughs) Right here. If you're sitting at home watching online, you should come to gathering. If you're just slept in because you stayed out too late last night, go to bed. If, you, if you're going, man, I don't feel like getting up today. Bro, what a lousy excuse for not coming to gathering and worshiping our king. I know I'm getting to preach to the people who are actually here. Where's the camera again? I'm <laughs> preaching to you people. <laughs> but I'm serious about that. Man, we should gather together. This is where we're encouraged. I I don't know about you, but I'm telling you, doesn't matter what my day's been like, what my week has been like, how lousy I might feel. But when I come to, to this church gathering and we sing those kind of songs we sang today, 
And we open up the scriptures and we see what is actually happening and what happened then and what we're called to live and how we're called to live today. I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged every time that I get to be with you. Every time. I'm always encouraged. I love the fact that you come and hug my neck and you shake my hand and you give me a fist bump or whatever those things are. I love that. It encourages me. I hope it encourages you. It'll encourage you too. If you'll come. Very serious about that. They, they shared meals together in their homes. That's part of what gospel community looks like. That's part of what Discover will look like as you're coming and, and checking out our new church. You're going to come to mine and Carol's home, and we're going to share a meal together. That's what our gospel, GC Genesis, is coming to our home tonight. People who are new and already plugged into GC, you come into our home, and we eat a meal together. We share a meal. We share our testimonies together. We study together. We learn together. Regularly, they were, the Scripture tells us they were being thankful. Regularly, they were being generous. That's what the early church looked like. And because of all this, they just lived differently. And in his graciousness, the text tells us that the Lord added day by day to their numbers those who were being saved, awakening dead hearts to life, awakening them to the gospel as they were believed. And as they believed, they were baptized. They were declaring to the world around them that, hey, I follow Jesus now. Hey, I'm part of this new community now. This is my public saying to everybody around me that sees me that I follow Jesus now. If you ever have a doubt, go back to where you saw me be baptized because I was identifying myself with the people of God in that very moment. Why would this kind of stuff happen? Because the Jesus on the inside literally makes a difference of the people on the outside. It just does. He makes a difference in us. If there's no difference in you, you have to question if there's a Jesus in you. If you look at your life and go, I'm no different than I was before I claimed to be a Christian, I'm afraid your claim may not be true. And so we would beg you to examine yourself and look at yourself and look at your life and examine your life. Ask a friend. Ask your spouse. Look out. Am I different because I follow Jesus or am I not? So here's the question. So what? I believe, uh, I believe that we will win. All right, so, so I believe that um, the key to all of this, the key to all this in this part of Acts chapter 2 uh, comes in three words that we find back in first, verse 42. They devoted themselves. Look back at verse 42. And they devoted themselves... And they go into a long list of things. Here's what they are. They devoted themselves um, to this. They received the word and those who believed were baptized. They devoted themselves to hearing the word regularly. Hearing the word regularly, just like we talked about. Man, you should hear this regularly. You should hear somebody preach it regularly. If you don't want to come here, you don't like the way my voice sounds or whatever, go somewhere else. Find some place that you'll go and hear the word declared regularly. They devoted themselves to that. Those who believed were baptized. Secondly, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. 
If you're not going to come to this church regularly, go somewhere that preaches the gospel regularly, that preaches from the text regularly, that preaches that this is what the text says, this is what it means, and this is how it points to Jesus. If you don't go to a church like that, find another church. Okay? But they, just like the apostles, they devoted themselves to the teaching, to the fellowship of being together and the breaking of bread and sharing uh, uh, meals with one another, being with one another and praying together. They also devoted themselves to this. When they did, awe came upon every soul. When they devoted themselves to what it means to follow Jesus, they were amazed by it. Amazed by it. Why in the world would God save me? How in the world would God move me from death to life? They, they devoted themselves. They were together. They had all things in common. What is mine is yours. What is yours is mine. We lived like countercultural people because we were in awe. We devoted ourselves to what this was, what, what this teaching was. They devoted themselves, and that made them generous. They were generous people. If you're a stingy person and you hold everything close to your vest and you're not willing to give and share and, and, and enter in with other people, check yourself, bro. I'm not even kidding. Check yourself. They devoted themselves. They attended the temple together, ate together, and they did it with glad hearts. If you're a grumpy pants, man, bro, check yourself. If you don't have a, a somewhat of a joy about you, even in the last two weeks, you don't have some type of joy about you, the fact that you've been rescued from your sin? You have eternal life? Man, you're missing what, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You're missing the joy of the Lord that comes from the Spirit indwelling you. They devoted themselves, praising the Lord, gaining favor with all the people. That, that to me, is a key piece, too. Think about this. If we're different, and we live differently, and we live with generous hearts, and we live with generous lives, and we, we are joy-filled people, and we're generous people like that, that's very countercultural to the world in which we live today. What a drawing piece for at least, if nothing else, that somebody may go, man, there's just something different about you. Yes, we're called to initiate gospel conversations, but man, my gospel conversations that I might initiate with somebody come across much differently if I'm full of joy and rather than if I'm a grumpy pants. Hey, do you know Jesus? You know, you know what I'm saying? If all these things that we just read and see in Acts, that we begin to live this way, man, we have a platform in which to say, let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you about the one who transformed me from who I once was to who I am today. Those are big, big differences. These people loved each other. They're joyful. They live differently. And I want us to be a people like that. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 says, God is one who invites us to come and dine at his table. And when we do likewise, when we invite others to dine and come with us and dine at our tables, we're mirroring our good and gracious king. We're mirroring a God who invites us in when we invite others in. Extending a gracious invitation to others just as he has extended a gracious invitation to us. Let's not be a people of the world. This world is passing away. 
But instead, let's be the people of God in the world. Let's be those people. Let's be those people so that others may know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. Today, if you're here and you're outside the household of faith, maybe the Spirit has revealed to you that, man, I'm one of those people that Pastor Scott talked about, that I'm kind of grumpy pants and I'm kind of the one that holds on to my stuff and I'm not willing to share and I'm not willing to ask you people to enter in and, and I'm not willing to do any of those things that Pastor Scott talked about today. Then maybe today you need to be saved. Maybe you've walked in and you weren't thinking about any of these things, but maybe the Holy Spirit is awakening you to the fact that you need a Savior, a Savior who will rescue you from your sin, who will give you hope and life, and a future. Pay attention. That will give you hope, and a life, and a future found in Jesus, forgiveness of your sins, to be in right relationship with God, only found in Jesus Christ. So today, we invite you to come to Jesus. Repent of your sins. Declare that you know that you've sinned against a righteous and holy God, and your only hope is found in the sinless life of Jesus, his sacrificial death on a cross, and the fact that God has raised him back to life. There's hope for you, yes, you, found in Jesus. Today, come to Jesus. Let me pray for us.